With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This episode is brought to you by Merrick Pet Care. And if you've heard me talk about Grammy, you know that she means the world to me. I wanted a dog for probably 10 years and I was living in an apartment, couldn't have dogs. When I finally moved somewhere else, I adopted her within weeks and it was love at first scritch. She's about two feet away from me as I record this. She hangs out in the studio and all I want to do is smooch her and look at her and stare at her. I also like feeding her because I see how happy it makes her. And there's nothing like watching her lick her chops after having yummy stuff like Grammy's pot pie or real Texas beef and sweet potato, which are two recipes she's been enjoying for America. As her parent, I like that they use deboned meat and fish or poultry as the number one ingredient. I also like that they have these real ingredients and you can see them on the bag so you know what's in each one. And watching her do a little dance, especially with a Grammy's pot pie recipe, brings too much joy to my heart. Is there such a thing as too much joy? I'm not sure. But check out Merrick online or in your local pet store and look for their new packaging with real ingredients shown on the bag and inside it. Oh, hey, it's your mom's neighbor who dresses up that ceramic goose on her porch. Allie Ward, I'm back with another episode, fiery one of ologies. This is one of those very, very many years in the making episodes where as soon as I decided to make this podcast ologies, I was like, I got to hit up this expert and I put him on a list. This interview, it's electric. Okay, so fulminology, let's get into it. Very much a thing. It's a science of those streaks in the sky. And it comes from the Latin word fulgare, which means to shine or to flash. Also, if you have a fear of thunder and lightning, you're not alone. I'm looking straight at you, my dog Grammy, and also my dear sister friend Shannon Feltis. You have something that is called coronaphobia. It's also inexplicably named astrophobia, brontophobia, and tonitrophobia. So let's learn a little bit more about it. So kick your boots up, lean back on your porch chair, and enjoy some facts about thunder and lightning and storms and volcanoes, and of course, wildfires with lightning scientist and your favorite fulminologist, Chris Giesecke. My name is Chris Gisigi. Pronouns mm-hmm. he. He cool. Did you grow up with with fires and lightning really on your radar on your Doppler since you were a kid or where did you start getting into this? <laughs> well, it's you know it's funny because California in general a lot of people think oh you know California's kind of boring. Eh, maybe they got some earthquakes here and there too. Mm-hmm. So growing up in Sonoma County, I really don't remember a lot of fire activity. We don't really get too much thunder and lightning. It was one of those things where I was just like, oh, you know, at the time being a firefighter would be cool. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do that, you know, kind of <laughs> macho and <laughs> you know, let's get out there. Yeah, bro, firefighting. <laughs> it it really wasn't until maybe later years of high school where I started thinking, ah, you know, that'd be kind of cool. And then you go to college and I'm like, wow, actually the science of this stuff is a lot more fascinating to me. Ah, and so how much of your work deals with fire science and how much deals with lightning or is it kind of an equal amount? Uh, it's kind of an equal amount. My research in particular mm-hmm. is more lightning 
Mm-hmm. And we look more at the electrical and magnetic properties of it. Let's say we're trying to figure out a way to build more confidence in our, in our uh, lightning models for prediction. Mm-hmm. or projections. And then we relate that mostly to uh, a typical quote unquote, what would be fire season, which is usually your late spring or summer months through fall. We come up with some sort of projection system to say, all right, these areas have high risk of lightning. And because it's during these months when these certain conditions are met, uh, lightning caused fires could be issues here. Oh, Okay, this is a huge issue, but we're going to put a pin in it for a second and get to the basics of lightning. What does it look like? How does it work? And is the sky mad, bro? What exactly is lightning? Where is it going? Oh, so the story of lightning. Oh, yes. yes. Okay, so to, to kind of set a tone here, the way I think of the process of lightning happening is I think about all these little molecules and particles that are happening within the cloud and happening within the atmosphere and are, you know, flowing in the earth. And I always like to think of them as an emoji or as little emojis <laughs> running around with different smiley faces or positive charge and negative charge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and they have this goal in life and that's to con- find, find something of the opposite charge and connect with it and do this little dance and then they go into the great beyond afterwards, wherever that is, <laughs> whatever, they're do- whatever they're doing there. So lightning is, it's a development of a certain cloud type called cumulonimbus clouds. And what happens is within these clouds, uh, the clouds form because we typically have uh, updrafts of air, warm air rises. So we get updrafts and as it rises, it runs into the altitude. So you get higher up and higher up, it gets a little colder. and so as that air rises, it kind of cools and condenses and uh, little droplets form around particulates, little ice crystals can form and they're banging around in there, having a good old time, hitting each other, bumping, <laughs> doing whatever. And, uh, and at that point, you kind of you start to build up like this static charge, this electrostatic charge that's in the clouds as electrons start to get stripped or transferred from one to the other. And so during this process, Eventually what happens is these clouds, when they're starting to get ready, when they're priming themselves for a lightning event, they separate themselves. So uh, the negative charges go down towards the bottom of the cloud and Mm -hmm. the positive charges go towards the middle or the top of the cloud. And this is because what, what weather is, is it's a neutralization process. So we're trying to get these electrons that are up in the cloud down to Earth. They want to neutralize themselves at Earth, bring them back to, uh, to where they belong. So they separate themselves up there, and then at the same time, they're separating themselves in other clouds, or they're separating themselves at the ground. So on the ground level, you might have uh, the electrons will actually get pushed down further uh, to further lowers of the, uh, of the ground, which leave nothing but a positive charge stuck at the surface. Um, This is just uh, opposites attract. Like charges uh, repel each other. So the electrons in the cloud are going to help push those down, those electrons in the ground down even further into the ground. And that leaves a nice positive charge on the surface. Mm -hmm. So what happens then is once everything gets kind of built up, then those charges are going to look to connect somewhere. And so sometimes they're going to interconnect within the cloud. Sometimes they're going to connect between one cloud and another. Oh, uh, which is cloud to cloud, or sometimes they're going to uh, try and connect with the charges that are on the ground, and that would be uh, cloud to ground lightning. Oh, okay. 
So these ice particles are just having an airborne mosh pit. Some are losing electrons, some are gaining them, and this tension builds, and then the mosh pit divides with the negative charges heading to the bottom. Now, as for cloud-to-ground lightning, electrons on the Earth's surface get pushed further into the ground, so positive charges are kind of simmering on the ground, and they have to meet each other, and then boom, lightning strikes to neutralize it, and the mosh pit goes wild. They love it. And then they're like, ah. You know, the ones coming from the cloud to the ground, what I picture is is uh, after enough electrostatic charge has built up in the clouds, they're now ready to go. And you have something called step leaders and streamers. Mm -hmm. And these are kind of the leading molecule, the leading uh, charges that are getting out there and ready to go. So these are step leaders that reach down toward the ground and streamers down below that reach up. And so I picture these these little charges strapping on a helmet, putting on their goggles. And... <laughs> and <laughs> And the uh, stepped leaders are up in the cloud and they're shouting out at the streamers down on the ground, you know, uh, step leader to streamer leader, step leader to streamer leader over. <laughs> streamer to step leader, streamer to step leader, copy that, ready to engage. <laughs> all right, here we go. And then they turn around and they get all the other electrons riled up. Hey, Rangers, yeah, let's go. <laughs> so then they throw on some heavy metal music and they I start. Was... And they get <laughs> Just going to say you need jock jams for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they, <laughs> you know, and they take off and they, the step leader is kind of the initiator of these lightning strikes. And so they take off towards the ground and they have no idea where they're going. They have no idea where these other charges are on the ground because there's such a distance between them. They can only really communicate about 50 meters or so. So that's why you start to see lightning in jagged forms, because it's these uh, these uh, electrons trying to reach the ground that are trying to find the opposite charge, but really can't. Oh. So they shoot out in intervals. Um, and they take this jagged path until eventually they connect with it. And then they meet together and, and the streamers, so the charges on the ground will actually reach up sometime and try and meet them at a certain point. <gasps> cool. Yeah. Now, what about like dry lightning or heat lightning, the kind of lightning that we've had in California lately that has been sparking fires? Yeah, dry lightning is, it's basically just lightning with very, very minimal to no precipitation. So what happens is you get your typical thunderstorm buildup, but the precipitation evaporates before it gets to the ground. And that's when you see clouds that are called virga. Mm -hmm. And virga is just, just a formation. So it looks like stuff's coming out of the cloud, but then mm -hmm. it evaporates. And you still get lightning at the same time because there's such a buildup of charge mm -hmm. going on up there in the atmosphere. And how hot is a lightning strike? I've read that it's potentially hotter than the sun. Uh, hotter than the surface of the sun. So, uh, oh. yeah, so it can reach up to like 50 to 60,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, my God. Is crazy. Yeah, it's How hot. is that even possible? So <laughs> yeah, I know. That's um, nuts. And so you've got that striking a dry hillside and it's just like a like tinderbox. Yeah, absolutely. So those are one of the things that we look for in fire weather under uh, certain types of red flag conditions is the possibility of dry lightning. Okay, we're going to get back to fires in a bit. But first, what about counting lightning and thunder? We've seen it in a million movies. You count, you can do a calculation, you can know how far away the storm is, if it's coming or going. 
Is that flim flam or is that real deal? No, typically uh, you actually kind of can. Um, so the general rule is that uh, you see a lightning strike mm-hmm. and you count and every uh, five seconds is about a mile. Okay. Yeah. And so if you're outside or whatever, you want to know if it's safe to go outside, then you generally try and get to a point where you see lightning, but don't hear any thunder. Oh, good to know. So it's far enough away where it's not going to come and get you. Yeah. Does it usually want to discharge or connect with um, a charge that's higher up? Like, is that why there's lightning rods or do trees get zapped a lot? So the reason we have lightning rods or uh, the reason that a very tall tree might be one of the worst spots to stand under or isolated tall trees is they're providing a path of least resistance. So when these storms come, these charges from the ground are able to kind of flow up into those places and connect with the lightning that's coming out of the atmosphere. Because they happen to be tall, the charges are able to meet a little bit earlier there. We are about to get to listener questions, but before we do, we're going to hear about sponsors of the show who have some deals for you. Those deals make it possible for us to throw some cash at worthwhile nonprofits each episode. And this week, Chris asked that it goes to international relief teams whose mission is to alleviate the suffering caused by poverty and disaster around the globe. So cha-ching. Keep doing good stuff, y'all. Now, you may hear about some sponsors who enable us to not freak out about giving away money every week. I know I usually save my secrets for the end of the episode, but I'm going to tell you my secret favorite candy. It's Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. It's really Reese's anything, but Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the thing that I'm like, have I had a bad day? I get these. Have I had a good day? I get these. Chocolate, salty peanut butter, the textures. I love everything about them. Also that there's two. So I'm like, oh, I get this one for later, which is one second later. Anyway, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I love you. That's all. If you're me, you can shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you. Found wherever candy is sold. And I am. Oh, it's heating up. It's time to say bye now to your jackets and your sweaters and your tights and get reacquainted with shorts and tees, breezy things. Can I point you to the direction of Quince? What I love about Quince, you can build a lineup of timeless pieces. They keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year without spending a fortune. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts. They start at $30. They have washable silk tops. And I love that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands because they partner directly with top factories. They cut out the cost of the middleman and then they pass the savings on to you. So whether you need a sundress you can wear to a picnic or you need some good t-shirts or tanks that feel nice on your skin and are well-made, head over to Quince. I love them so much I put them on my body. That's what clothes are for. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash ologies for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ologies to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ologies. All right. Questions from our loyal Patreon folks. Okay. I'm going to dive in to the lightning round, if you will. (laughs) Correct. And uh, just whatever answers strike you. Go for it. Uh, Worst, the worst. Okay. Emily A. wants to know, is it true that thunder is the sound of lightning? And uh, a few other people wanted to know, first time question askers and boot Quakers, Luna Lowry and Kate H. Why it's so scary. 
why is thunder scary? Any idea? Is it a certain <laughs> like frequency or is it just because it's so loud? Well, that'd be perception, right? It, mm-hmm. <laughs> some might find it scary. I would find it extremely fascinating mm-hmm. and joyous, somewhat of an adrenaline rush at, at certain moments. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thunder is the sound of lightning because without lightning, you don't have thunder, kind of like we talked about. And because lightning, there's so much energy and so much heat that is created by lightning, that energy, the air around it, cannot expand fast enough. Uh, so pressure pff, is shot out around these areas of where lightning strike has just gone down and uh, produces a shock wave. And that shock wave becomes a sound wave. And so that's what we hear as thunder. It can be really scary because the ground is shaking, the air is rumbling. And mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I guess it could be scary. A bunch of people. Sam Healy, first-time question asker. JJ Pierce, Chris Moore, first-time question asker. Rachel Dashiell and Asia Yeager wanted to know about hair standing up during a thunderstorm. And uh, Sam says... Uh, my shoulder length hair was standing completely on end once when I was standing in a field during a thunderstorm. And I found out later that was not a good sign. I was 14. So (laughs) forgive my ignorance. But if you're around something dangerous, like a lightning storm, or does your hair just statically kind of do that? Yeah, it's a it's a reaction to the static that's in the atmosphere. So what's happening during a lightning event is you're producing something that's electric and magnetic. And there's uh, electrostatic that's happening before these lightning strikes are coming or as the storm is approaching. So uh, if there's a storm approaching, uh, especially if there's that much buildup of an electrical charge, the static in the atmosphere, yeah, your hairs are going to rise right on up, just like the old, uh, you know, rub a balloon on the carpet, put on your head and watch your hair go all over the place. Mm -hmm. Uh, Does that mean you should run for cover somewhere, preferably not under a big tree that's by itself? Yeah, you know, unless those are just your spidey senses tingling a little bit, um, I, I'd probably, you know, move because it's definitely a sign that there's something electrically going on in the atmosphere. And mm-hmm. you don't want to be around when those when those uh, lightning strikes come down. Ooh. OK, a few people, Madeline Lewis and Mark Chavez, Madeline Lewis, first time question asker, want to know about volcanic lightning or wildfire smoke inducing lightning. <clears throat> Does that happen? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what you have is during a fire, especially, is fires burning and it's releasing a lot of energy through heat and moisture. Um, So much energy and so much heat. And you see this more often on really, really hot fires that are burning really, really hot. We get something called pyroconvection, which is eventually that heat and that moisture starts to rise because hot air rises. Um, It mixes with the cooler air and kind of like a a typical thunderstorm. As it arises, it starts to condense and it starts to form cumulus clouds or pyrocumulus clouds. And the the crazy thing is that the updrafts of this hot air rising, the updrafts of these suckers can reach like up to 100 miles per hour. Oh, my God. Yeah. (gasps) So there's just there's so much going in there. So if the fire continuously pumping that heat and that moisture into these cumulus clouds, they keep growing and growing and growing, and you get more vertical movement until eventually a uh, pyrocumulonimbus cloud is formed. And then you start to get kind of that charge, the charge separation. You get the banging around of those, those particles up there produced from the ash and from the smoke that allow the moisture to kind of condense on them, which then helps create the passing of 
charges like we talked about, you'll get lightning from that, or you can get lightning from that. Ooh. And it's very similar kind of with volcanoes because volcanoes, so much heat, and they're releasing all that gas and the ash material creating these really dense smoke plumes. Ooh. So it's really cool. Yeah, pictures of volcanic lightning are actually really sick. Oh, uh, I don't know if, if you or anybody out there listening has ever seen pictures of volcanic lightning. If you haven't, look it up. Because, uh, yeah. I looked it up, and it's true. Volcanic lightning pictures are hella sweet. And they look like if a mountain had a midlife crisis and decided to become a heavy metal disco, like smoke machine, strobe lights, danger. Like, if you looked through the plumes of ash, there has got to be a Yeti in there doing a guitar solo. I have just a couple more questions from listeners, because I know I'm just, I, I literally, we could go on for hours. Okay, Elizabeth Edwards and Rachel and Maria Jorvavia, uh, Elizabeth, Rachel, both first-time question askers, wanted to know a little bit more about, like, what percentage of wildfires are caused by lightning strikes globally, and also is... Are these wildfires changing because of climate change? And should we be using more indigenous land management to kind of prevent the big burns? Uh, I've been waiting for a question like this. Ha ha. <laughs> yep. We know climate's going to come into it. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure exactly what the global statistics are. Mm -hmm. um, in the U.S., I know... Uh, roughly 80 to 90% of fires are caused by humans. Um, and then the other percent caused by lightning. So 10 to 20%. And we actually don't mind lightning caused fires unless they're during events such as the one that we just had here in California, or unless it's a fire itself producing some sort of lightning activity. Because a lot of the, the lightning-caused fires that happens tend to happen in remote areas where we're trying to get around to this, okay, if it's happening in an area far off somewhere in the mountains, let it burn, let it, let it ravage the fuel and take over. So Chris says that lightning-caused fires really become an issue when they're related to an event like the one we had recently here in California, where there were hundreds of them at once, which with new weather patterns and droughts and warmer, drier weather may happen more often. Okay, questions I always ask at the end. What is your favorite thing about your work or about lightning or what keeps you, just gives you butterflies? I would have to say just the the fascination of it mm -hmm. and seeing how things are constantly changing and seeing how it's impacting society is, is a big motivational factor because we know what's at risk. We know what changes might be coming about. We know that they may not be good. Um, and so uh, we have a real opportunity to do something. We have a real opportunity to to help an industry seek some sort of answers and get out there and look at fire tornadoes and fire worlds. We get to see lightning storms shoot down from the sky. We get to go out there during some of these storm events, which I know told people you shouldn't do. It's those little bits and that field work that's extremely, extremely exciting. Ugh. I mean, what is more exciting than something that is hotter than the sun, seemingly random, 
but science can explain it. I mean, that's like, what's more exciting than like bolts of electricity coming from the heavens? That's rad. Oh. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, it's super <laughs> rad. So ask lightning quick people thundering questions because otherwise the facts will always just be all kind of a little cloudy. Now to find out more about Chris, you can see the links in the show notes. Also linked is alleyward.com slash smologies, which has dozens more free, kids safe, shorter episodes to blaze through. Thank you, Mercedes Maitland of Maitland Audio and Zeke Rodriguez Thomas and Jarrett Sleeper of Mind Jam Media for editing those. And since we like to keep things kind of small around here, the rest of the credits are in the show notes. But before I go, I like to give just a small piece of advice. And this week, it's that I had to skip a birthday party because I was really sick and that was not fun. But the good news is, is that there's going to be another birthday party next year. Plenty more of other people's birthday parties before that. But remember, you only get one body. So you got to let it rest when the doctor tells you to. So don't worry. Healing, it's just part of living. And I got to do it too. Okay, I'm going to go do it right now. Bye-bye. about Captain Crunch's Crunchberries with breakfast. Whoa, Dad, we're on. Crunch Island. <gasps> it's Jean foot. <laughs> and he stole our crunch. Quick, the zip line. He's getting away. Throw our last Crunchberry. No! No one steals my Crunchberries. I think you mean my Crunchberries. Choose your own Crunch venture with Captain Crunch. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.